Good morning, church. I tell you what, thank you so much for last week, Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And uh, I can speak on behalf of all the pastors, all the staff members, that uh, hopefully you share in this sentiment that this is an amazing place to be. Amen? Isn't this an amazing place to be? Uh, and I've, I've been here shorter than a lot of you. There, there are some folks here that are newer than me. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, but I've only been here for a few months now. And uh, it is, I'm telling you, we are so grateful that God has us here. And so I hope you are ready to study God's word today. If you are, let me hear you. Whoop, whoop. Come on now. Who's ready to study God's word today? Go ahead and grab your Bible. Find Ephesians chapter 5, which we're studying all month long. Welcome to week four of personality profiles. Uh, this is uh, a, a study where we're looking at the four basic personality types and the strengths and weaknesses and how God wants us to grow in Christ-likeness. And so if you have no idea what I'm talking about when I say the four uh, basic personality types, uh, it's because you're catching us in the middle of the series. It's okay. You can go back home this afternoon or sometime later this week and look at our website, mw. Dot church. There you can watch all the teachings for free over the last month to catch you up to see where we are uh, thus far. Also, if you are with us online today, welcome to all of our live stream people on YouTube Live. We're so glad to have you as well. Remember the ground rules for the series that we talked about in week number one, that no personality type is better or worse than any other that we all have in our unique strengths and weaknesses and abilities. Uh, we, we bring together all of those things and have unique value in the body of Christ. And your personality type is not the only one that's okay, that God made us all to work together, different pieces of the puzzle. Rule number two, never reduce people to a stereotype. That just because somebody has some D or C or I or S characteristics, that does not mean that they fully plug into that hole. That we are all unique in our wiring. Rule number three, personality type is never, get ready to say amen, personality type is never an excuse for inappropriate behavior. Amen, right? That just, listen, if you are being a jerk, just admit it. Don't blame it on your personality type. Rule number four is that understand that God's goal is to develop the fruit of the Spirit in my life. That this is not just so that we can become self-aware and say, oh, well, this is just who I am and it's who I will always be. That God wants to help us to grow in both our strengths and our weaknesses to become more like Jesus Christ. And so that's why we're studying Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, which says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I promised by the end of this month that you would have these memorized. So let's work on it together. But the fruit of the Spirit is, here we go, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so if somebody ever asks you, what does it look like to live like Jesus? 
This is the answer to that question. That, that this is God's goal for our character development. But how do you get there? How does God grow these as we surrender to him? Well, it continues into verse 24 and says, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. In other words, our natural passions and desires tend to lead us away from God's best for our lives. But that when we live in Christ Jesus, that part of that is crucifying our sinful human nature. That we, in other words, to surrender ourselves fully to God. And as we do that, we begin to live by the Spirit. So let us keep in step with the Spirit. That every day, this is not just a one and done scenario, that every day it involves getting up with a commitment to live by the Spirit, crucifying my sinful nature as I live in step with God's Spirit at work in my life. And so, how does that relate to the four personality types? Let's do a quick review really quickly uh, that the first one that we looked at was the D personalities two weeks ago who are, who are more dominating and directing and decisive. These are people who are a little more task-oriented. If you give them a choice between doing a project or just sitting around talking about feelings, that they will always choose the project. And that uh, then last week, we looked at the opposite quadrant, the S personalities who are more steady and stable and servant-hearted, not as likely to rock the boat, more interested in trying to keep the peace. Well, today we're going to talk to the C personalities, conscientious and contemplative. And uh, so let's review really quickly, which ones did we give to, uh, to the... Uh, oh, actually, before we get into the fruit of the Spirit, I, 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 I almost forgot. Remember each week we've been answering the question, the old statement, fill in the blank, if, if it ain't broke, don't what? Everybody say together, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That old saying that the D's hate that saying because everything is broken according to a D and needs their help to get it fixed. Uh, Rick McGinnis says that that statement helps us a lot in identifying personality types. And then S's are the ones who came up with that saying. S's say, well, maybe, you know, maybe it's broken, but if it rocks the boat, if it hurts people's feelings, maybe we can just leave it the way it is. What a C will often say is, well, maybe it's broken. Let me analyze this situation. I'm going to study it. I'm going to research it. I'll get back with you. And then once they come up with a solution, many times a C is not as likely to try to fix it on their own because a C is not as confident and self-assured as a D. Sometimes people think of Cs as Ds because they always have an opinion, but Cs are less confident and, and self-assured in dealing with people. So many times what a C will say is, all right, folks, I've studied it, I've researched it, I've come up with the solution, now somebody needs to do this, okay? And, uh, and so uh, Cs are much more likely to try to convince you of what is right with logic and reason. So in your notes, the first thing about a C is that Cs, number one, Number one, number one, <laughs> do we have it? Uh, C's are very concerned 
about how things ought to be. How things ought to be. Are you ready to see a really good example of somebody who was a combination of a C and a D personality? Watch this. I've come up with a series of exercises to help with your compulsive need for closure. Well, I take issue with the word compulsive. <laughs> All I'm saying is we live in a world where closure isn't always an op. <laughs> Shun, okay. For the sake of argument, let's say I have a problem. What would be your plan for addressing it? I'm going to recondition your brain so that the need for completion isn't so overwhelming. <laughs> By playing tic-tac-toe? Yep, your turn. Oh, Amy. And you wonder why people think neuroscience is nothing but a goofy game for diaper babies. <laughs> tic-tac-toe can only end in win, lose, or draw, none of which will deny me closure, especially since I'm about to win. <laughs> well, we didn't finish. Exactly. How does that make you feel? For the land of the free and the home of the next. <laughs> That's quite an impressive layout, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Let's box it up. This back today. That's enough. Sheldon, give it! Okay, Sheldon, make a wish and blow out the candles. Now your wish can't come true. Lucky for you, because I wished you were dead. I've come up with a series of exercises to help with your compulsive needs. Oh, now some of you are just sitting there like, I can't handle it. Like, because you have a lot of C in your personality, in case you are wondering, this one's for me. Uh, my wife is not here today. She's on a trip uh, this weekend. And, uh, but if she was, she'd be sitting here the whole time nodding uh, because like, there are certain things that drive a C personality crazy that other people don't even notice. Uh, like, did you know, are there any banks here in Moncton or credit unions that have drive-through bank machines? There are some. I haven't seen any. Ours doesn't have one, and so I hadn't, I hadn't noticed them, but they're all over the place in the South. I don't know if they have these here, but in the States where we've lived for a number of years now, uh, the drive-up ATM machines have braille pads for the blind. <laughs> this, this bothers me. Like, what, what are they thinking? I, I, uh, I, <laughs> like, when people say, when people say, you just want to have your cake and eat it too, duh! <laughs> Who wants to have cake and not eat it? 
Like these things do not make sense. When uh, I was looking for something and, and, and I was telling somebody a story about how I'd lost something in the house and eventually found it. They said, we're, you know, and when I told them where I found it, they said, oh, well, it's usually, you know, it's always the last place you look. Who keeps looking after they found something? <laughs> these things do not make sense. Uh, I, I, I was thinking about uh, that recently when it comes to, uh, you know, I don't, I don't drink, but, uh, and so obviously I'm against drinking and driving, everybody is, and yet you're not, you're not supposed to drink and drive, but in order to drink, you have to show your driver's license. <laughs> like, think these things through. Like, when you're on an airplane, and they, they say, the flight attendant says, if you look under your seat, you will find a flotation device. Is this a boat? I want a parachute, right? <laughs> Anybody else with me? Or, or when you're flying, I, I have to fly all the time, and when, when you go to an airport and they call it a, the destination your terminal, <laughs> that is not a good sign for where your plane is gonna end up when it's terminal. These things bother a C personality. Uh, number two, some of you are really concerned about me now, I understand. <laughs> number two, C's are driven to research and find answers. Uh, C's actually use instruction manuals. A, a D says, I don't need no stinking instruction manual, I can do this on my own. And, uh, but a C not only reads the instruction manual, but goes to five websites to show you how to do it better. Uh, number three, C's often value creative thinking. Many times C's are uncomfortable with emotion, and so they stuff it down deep inside, and when they do, many times it boils within them and comes out as creative energy. Many uh, musicians and, uh, and artists are C personalities. Number four, C's often have perfectionist tendencies. And by the way, perfectionist is code word for nitpicky and anal retentive. Uh, as an example, I nitpicked over whether or not it was appropriate to say the word anal retentive in church. And so I looked up the word and found the difference between the common usage of the term in modern society versus the original usage of the term coined by Sigmund Freud. And some of you are saying, who cares? But a C cares about these things. And, and a C many times understands how they annoy other people. Here's a silly little example. Years ago, Tracy bought uh, these plastic drinking cups for our kitchen that are in all different colors. And so, you know, some of them were blue, and some of them were green, and some of them were pink, and some of them were yellow. Well, I love milk. I drink milk every day. But she began to realize that I would never drink milk out of the yellow cups. And she's like, Joel, why don't, why don't you use the yellow cups? And I'm like, well, in my mind, when milk goes bad, it turns yellow. And so it's like, it, it's, it's psychologically painful to drink milk out of a yellow cup. Now, if I ever come to visit at your house, you're going to play a prank on me. I know. Uh, but, and so Tracy literally got rid of the yellow cups because we weren't using them. Uh, and you say, that is ridiculous. I know. But there are some times when you absolutely appreciate nitpicky uh, personalities. For example, I read that many surgeons are C personalities. 
And you might want a doctor who is friendly and nice and easy to talk to. People complain about some doctors who have a bad bedside manner. But if I am going under the knife, I don't care if my doctor is an antisocial jerk. I want them to be nitpicky and concerned about detail. Am I right? And so being conscientious and concerned about competence and wanting things to be the right way, these are not bad qualities necessarily. But if you live with a C <laughs> or you happen to be a C, then you know that this also comes with challenges. Many times C's can become critical and hard to live with. A C often questions authority and becomes discontent and unwilling to submit to godly leadership. Because a C notices all the faults that, that exist, a C often becomes unwilling to make a commitment to a church or to a job or to a relationship. A, a C's continual research and concern for knowledge can lead to arrogance and a conceited idea that somehow they know more than other people. And so what fruit of the Spirit does God want to develop in D personalities? Well, let's read it again so that, again, we're getting this locked into our memory, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, which ones did we give to the D? Do you remember? The Ds, we gave love, kindness, and gentleness. Then last week, we talked about areas of growth for an S personality, the words goodness and faithfulness. Goodness being standing up for the good, even if it rocks the boat and makes people uncomfortable, standing up for goodness. And then faithfulness, having the courage to step out in the faith and take, take bold action in response to God's leading, taking risks for God. So, look at what we have left. We'll leave these ones underlined for just a second. And which ones do you think we're going to give to the C personalities? How about these two words right here? Joy and peace. Which ones? Everybody say together. Joy and peace. And so, uh, here's why. Because of all of the fruit of the Spirit, these two, joy and peace, are especially rooted in the hope of eternity and the transcendent. Because for C personalities who can get all wrapped up in the things that are wrong in the world, we sometimes need to be reminded that this world is more than just what the eyes can see and the mind can analyze. That there is actually this, this supernatural, spiritual, transcendent side of life that needs to be developed. And so let's research the ancient Greek words here because we said that, remember, you, you need the context in order sometimes to understand these words as they were translated into English. So in our English translations, the translators chose the word joy. The original Greek word is kara, and it's an inner cheer that comes from God's presence. Now, we often get confused, and, and sometimes we confuse the words joy and happiness. 
But there is a difference. See, happiness comes from the same root as the word for happenstance or haphazard. In other words, your happiness is greatly dependent upon what happens to you outside circumstances. And so if good things happen, the result is happiness. If bad things happen, we become unhappy. But joy is something totally different. That, that joy, while happiness is based on external things, joy comes from the inside. Look at Psalm 16, verse 11. Let's read this out loud together. Everybody together. It says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. See, knowing God's path of life, having God in your life is the beginning of joy in your life. C.S. Lewis was one of the great philosophers of the last century. And he said something that I think is so insightful. C.S. Lewis said something basically like this. He said that when you hunger for something, when you thirst for something, that desire for it is proof that it must exist somewhere in the universe. Like when you hunger for food, it's because God created us with food to satisfy that desire. When we thirst for a drink, it's because out there somewhere is water that fulfills that desire. And for perfectionists who are in the continual pursuit of things that are finally right, and, and that is a recipe for, for skepticism and for disappointment. And so, so often, perfectionists become so discouraged. But when you finally discover that there is a God First of all, that, that C.S. Lewis would suggest the desire for perfection is perhaps evidence that perfection does exist in the universe somewhere. So when you finally meet God, that thing that you have been searching for, that you feared you would never truly find, that when you find that there is a God of excellence who has a perfect plan has, and has prepared a place for us in his perfect heaven, joy comes from knowing that those deepest longings can be fulfilled in our lives. I mean, imagine Christmas morning. Maybe as a child, you, you deeply desired some particular gift and you thought it's too extravagant. There's no way that my parents could ever get this for me. But finally, Christmas morning arrives and, and you open up the box and there it is, the thing that you so deeply desired but thought that you could never have. And you celebrate it. Finally, it's yours. And that for the person who continually struggles with the desire for perfection, when you realize that God can be the fulfillment of that desire in a way that nothing else in this world can provide. Amen? Amen. And so as a side note, have you ever wondered what brings God joy? I mean, if God wants for us to be joyful, shouldn't we want God to be joyful? Look at Luke 15, verse 8 through 10. Jesus said, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp 
and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found the lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there was rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When people who are far from God receive the love of Jesus, the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross so that we can be forgiven, when people come into a right relationship with their heavenly father, it brings him joy. In fact, there are some of you here today, maybe you have never accepted the love of Jesus in your life. And, and when you finally come to that moment of surrender, when you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, there is rejoicing in heaven. It's a good day. The next thing God wants to develop and see personalities is number two, peace. The Greek word is erone. Everybody say erone. Erone. The definition is a heart that rests in God's control. A settled heart that rests in God's control. So let's talk a little bit about the, the early context of this Greek word, erone. Uh, scholar William Barclay says, in colloquial Greek, this word erone had two interesting usages. First, it was used of the serenity which a country enjoyed under the just governor of a good emperor, a good king. And secondly, it was used of the good order of a town or village. That villages actually had an official who was called the superintendent of the village's erone, or the keeper of the public peace. And so in the New Testament times, when this was written, the word could even have political overtones. That it, it, it involved being a person who lived in a world that is full of strife and fighting but that you finally find rest and peace when you come under the protection of the Prince of Peace, who is Jesus. Look at John 16, verse 33. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. The Greek word here, exact same as the fruit of the Spirit, erone. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, look, don't be mistaken. You will have trouble even as a Christian, even when you have Jesus as your Prince of Peace. You will still go through struggles. You will still have strife and people who fight all around you. But as for your heart and as for your state of mind, you can have peace. Jesus says, take heart. In other words, don't get discouraged, don't get all stressed out, because I have overcome the world. And so how does God develop the qualities of joy and peace in our lives? Well, in your notes, how about number one, in times of chaos? See, times of chaos are intense training seasons for finding peace, because it's easy to claim peace when everything is easy and everybody likes you. There's no challenge there. But in times of chaos, there's a great story when, uh, when Jesus and the disciples get into the boat to go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so as they're making their journey, Jesus goes over into the corner of the boat and lays down to take a nap. And 
In Luke 8, verse 23, it says, As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? Jesus asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and water, and they obey him. And I read this and I wonder, do you think it is possible that maybe Jesus knew this storm was coming? And that maybe he allowed it to happen in order to show them something. That he, in fact, really is the master of RNA. To remind us that he truly is the master of the wind and the waves in our lives. Number two, in times of celebration. I love Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. To speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. It almost sounds like a musical, doesn't it? It doesn't say uh, speak to one another in kind words. It literally says speak to one another with songs. You know the songs that we sing are both worshiping God, we're speaking to God, but we're also speaking encouragement to one another. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, not just the good things. Giving thanks for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we can become so focused on all the things that are wrong in the world that we fail to acknowledge all the things that are right in the world. And so I have a suggestion today. I want to suggest that some of us consider taking a complaining fast. Do you know what a fast is? In the Bible, a fast is when a, a spiritual person takes a season of time where they go without food in order to devote themselves to prayer. And I've done that, many of you in this room have done that, where you go for a period of time, sometimes it's a meal, sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's a week. For some of us, we have done that for weeks and weeks on end. But, but, but what about a complaining fast, where we would go for maybe a day or a week or maybe even weeks on end, making a commitment not to complain or criticize anything or anyone? Now, for some people here today, you're like, I'd rather go without food. <laughs> Is it even possible to do that? But you know what? I have seen people who have made the choice to do that. And what I've seen again and again is how people who were natural criticizers and complainers, as they begin to become complimenters and encouragers instead of criticizers and complainers, I've seen them begin to have people who never wanted to be around them before, who want to be around them now. I've seen how often they, they begin to get promotions at work and begin to advance in their career, how they begin to make a positive difference in the world in a way that they never thought they could. And do you know how I know? Because I'm a testimony of that. You ask my wife what it was like to be married to me 20 years ago. And she'll tell you, God has the power to transform a life.
Amen? Is good news. Not that I don't mess up sometimes. <laughs> and so, uh, number three, God also grows seas in times of spiritual surrender. There's a wonderful story in the New Testament about these two sisters. Their names are Martha and Mary. Martha's the older sister, Mary is the younger sister. And one day Jesus comes to their house. And while Jesus is at their house, Mary and Martha are, are approaching things in two different ways. That, that Martha is running around the house making sure that everything is perfect. She's making sure that, you know, the food is just right and that, that the, the vacuum lines in the carpet are straight. Am I the only one who does that? I, I hate crooked lines in the carpet. And, and uh, in, in fact, oh man, I'm going to tell you something that's so embarrassing. Do you want to hear this? You're so cruel. I hope you don't think less of me. I hate uneven wear lines in the carpet, traffic patterns in the carpet. And so now you're going to watch me when I walk like upstairs, up the stairs here in the office, that I'll come up the stairs and instead of walking along the traffic path where it's all worn out and the carpet gets dirty and whatever because everybody else walks there, I will walk along the base bars boards to try to even out the wear. Am I the only one who does this? Anybody else who'll confess to that? At least three people are as crazy and messed up as I am. And so she, she's just making sure that the lines and the par carpet are perfect, if they or in the, the lines and the dirt in their, in their house or the stones. She's making sure that, the, that, that everything is just spotless. And look at what Jesus says to her in Luke chapter 10, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better. Everybody say better. better. And it will not be taken away from her. You see, while Martha was running around trying to make sure that everything was perfect, where was Mary? Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And for Martha's, <laughs> like me, these words of Jesus are incredibly significant. That while it is good and valuable to make sure that things are done well and with excellence, that it's even more important to connect with people and to connect with God. And that sometimes instead of focusing on the good things, we need to focus on the more important things the things of God. And when we do, everything's not always going to be perfect. And that's okay. There's this amazing time with Jesus in Mark chapter 7, verse 8, where he says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And I wonder how often we do that. Our own traditions, our own expectations. We get so concerned about what everybody in the world thinks rather than what God thinks. And sometimes you have to be willing to let go of how you think things should be in order to find the better path of how God says things should be. 
And maybe you're here today and God is speaking to your heart about this. Maybe God is speaking to you about lightening up and not being so hard on people, not being so critical. Maybe not being so critical of your family or of your school or your workplace or of your church or your community. Maybe God is speaking to you about perfectionism and the need to have everything your way, but to surrender and allow God to have his way in your life. Would you stand with me? In just a moment, we're going to pray that God would fill us with his joy and his peace. But before we do, I have to make something absolutely clear that in order to receive the promises of God, first you have to receive his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, the punishment for sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And as hard as you are trying to make things right in your life, you can never truly make things right apart from Jesus. And so if you just close your eyes, and right now in your heart, if God is speaking to you, and maybe you've never taken this step, maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Just right now in your heart, say, Father, I confess that for so much of my life, I have pursued my way and the world's way rather than your way. But right now, in your heart, declare your belief that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment that you and I deserve so that you can be forgiven. And receive that gift of forgiveness right now. Say, Lord, come into my life. Take control. Have your way in me. And now make the commitment. Say, Father, I don't know where you're going to lead me. I don't know what tomorrow holds. But I do know that I am making the commitment now to follow you and to apply your word to my life. In Jesus' name. And for the rest of us here today, Lord, for those who perhaps already are Christians, but we wrestle in these areas of joy and, and peace. Lord, we pray right now that we would begin to seek you with our whole hearts, that even now as we put you at the center of everything in our lives, that you would fill us with your joy and that we know that you truly are 
the Prince of Peace. Lord, that we would be settled in our hearts as we make you first in everything. In Jesus' name.